Heavenly Father, God, again, we just thank you for uh, being that God that we can stand amazed in your presence and at the same time just fall down on our faces and cry, holy, holy, holy. Uh, God, I thank you for what you've done uh, in our church this month. God, I thank you for what you've done in our hearts. And, and I pray as we set aside one more week uh, to look in your word, to take time to refocus. God, I pray that you would just move on us in a mighty way this morning. God, um, these altars haven't been closed all month. And, and I just pray that this morning that you would call us to them. God, that you would call us to these altars and, and help us to realize just who you are. God, I pray that you'd move in a mighty way in our church service this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. So have you had a good month this month? I have. I've had a, a good month. Um, uh, we set aside, you know, this entire month. If you've missed some, we set aside this entire month to really, you know, refocus ourselves and refocus our priorities and, re, you know, really refocus our church. You know, I think... Um, you know, I've talked with a lot of people who were talking about, you know, how it seems like, you know, we might have been complacent as a church. You know, we're up, we're down, we're this, we're that. Um, and I, I see that to some extent. You know, I want to be real, I want to be real honest with you this morning. You know, uh, as a church, you know, I think we're one of those churches who rises to the challenge. You know, if there's a challenge that we see in front of us, if there's a goal to meet, an offering to take, you know, if there's something that we can see in front of us, we rise to the challenge. But, you know, a lot of times we're not... I guess, for lack of a better term, very self-motivated spiritually, you know. And I guess that's just the inward nature that we all have, that sin nature, you know. Anytime we're not pushing forward when we think we're just staying still, the reality is that we're falling back. And, and you know, I think it was good for us to take this month to set aside just to really refocus uh, on God. We looked at refocusing, um, we looked at repenting. We've looked at reviving, and today we're going to bring it all together. And I just got to be honest with you. Um, as I, you know, as I prepared for this month, you know, I had really, really big expectations. You know, because I really felt like God wanted to do something. And to be honest, you know, I have been encouraged somewhat because it seems like every Sunday we've seen really good movement towards the altars. And not that that means anything in and of itself, but it really, I think, is an indication of where people's hearts are. And so we've seen that movement and I've been excited, but I'll be honest, a couple of weeks ago, maybe a little over a week ago, you kind of got, you know, are we really accomplishing anything this month? Because, you know, I look at, I look at some of you and I'm thinking, you know, have we done anything in their lives? Has God done anything in their life? Is anything different? And um, this week, towards the end of the week, you know, as I'm looking at this message, and, you know, I do a lot of reading on my own. I love to read. And just everything that God's been doing in my life, I'll say this. If nothing else has come in the life of this church, I really feel like that God's doing something in my life. You know, I find myself thinking maybe even a little bit differently than I did at the beginning of the month. I find myself responding to things uh, a little bit different than I did at the beginning of the month. And I, and I hope that I'm not the only one. I hope that you've taken this month seriously and that God is really starting to change you um, from the inside out. You know, and, and today, I guess I'm hoping it's going to be kind of the linchpin in that. Like I said, we talked about refocusing and repenting and reviving. But today, we're probably going to look at the most important of all. And we're going to look at renewing ourselves before God. That's what today is. From Sunday morning till Sunday night, we are going to take time as a church family to renew ourselves before God. 
Now, let me tell you what that means before you get some bad ideas in your head. First of all, what that doesn't mean is it doesn't mean that today we're going to make ourselves holy, right? You know, we're going to renew ourselves before God. I'm going to make myself holy. No, you're not. (laughs) It doesn't mean that today we're going to commit ourselves to working harder so that God will be happy with us. Right? Haven't we already talked about that? You know, when I say that renew ourselves, that's not what I mean. I don't mean, well, Chip, I'm going to commit myself today to working even harder, reading my Bible. Well, that's good, but it's not going to make God love you anymore. And today, renewing ourselves absolutely does not mean, now listen to me, it does not mean that we're going to change ourselves by changing our actions. Do you hear me? I think the easiest thing for us to do is change our actions, but the bottom line is that's not good enough. You know, you're going to say, Chip, I'm going to change my habits. I'm going to quit drinking. I'm going to quit cussing. I'm going to start coming to church. I'm going to start coming to Sunday school and reading my Bible. Those actions are not bad in and of themselves. They're good, but they're not what I'm talking about. What I mean is that today, this morning in our worship service, we're going to acknowledge before God that we need Him to renew us. We can't do it ourselves. Do you agree to that? It means that instead of eating lunch today, we're going to set aside this afternoon to fast as a symbol of our need for God more than our need for food. Right? I mean, a lot of you have already come up to me and said, Chip, what are we having for dinner tonight? Because if I'm not going to eat tonight, I'm going to be hungry tonight. Hey, what this whole thing is about is you acknowledging that you need more than bread alone to live by. Doesn't that sound familiar? Isn't that what Jesus said in the garden? Isn't that what he was quoting out of Deuteronomy? When we fast this afternoon, and we're going to talk more about it in a minute, when we fast this afternoon, all we're essentially saying is, God, I need food, but I need you more than I need food. Okay? What renewing ourselves means is it means that this afternoon, we're going to put our words in action as we go minister to Branford through a backyard Bible club. Um, I've already talked to a lot of you who are wanting to help. We're going to meet at the church at 4 o'clock. And we're going to go over to Branford and minister to that community because we've already talked about some this month. You know, God's really placed a burden on my heart and the heart of the leadership of this church. And, man, we're going to be right there across the street from the Mormon church just sharing the love of Jesus Christ uh, and the gospel. And what it means when we renew ourselves is it means tonight that we are going to come together in a solemn assembly to worship and to pray for our church, for our community, for our convention, and for our country. And I'm telling you what, I'm so pumped about tonight. You know, I'll be honest with you, you know, you know, and I'm sure you feel the same way, seeing as how, you know, about three-quarters of you, won't, you know, are not normally back on Sunday night. You probably don't get real excited about Sunday nights too often either. I'm going to tell you what, I am pumped about tonight's service, okay? And I said this last Sunday night, we had a few more come who don't normally do. Listen, I don't beat you over the head to be in church every single Sunday night. That's between you and God. But here's what I want to tell you. You will miss a blessing from God if you're not here tonight. It's not going to be like any other Sunday night service that you've ever been to, I promise you. Tonight we are going to set time. I'm not going to preach. We're not even going to sing a whole lot. We're just going to take time to really reflect upon who God is. And what I want you to do, and I'll go ahead and tell you this, is we're going to take time and we're just going to read God's word together. And so as you fast this afternoon, what I would encourage you to do, if you're going to take time to fast instead of eating lunch, take time to read your Bible and pray. And as you read your Bible, what I want to set aside time for tonight is God, I fully believe this, God, when you set aside from push away from that plate and you get in his word, God's going to speak to you through his word. 
and when he does, I just want you to come back tonight and share with us how. You know, you might read a chapter of the Bible and say not a word. You might read a verse and say, this is how God spoke to me. But we're going to take time to focus on God and his word in our lives tonight. And so, man, I'm telling you, I'm excited about it. You need to be here. Um, it's going to be great. But that's all this afternoon. Uh, this morning, as I said, we want to really focus on acknowledging before God this morning that we need him to renew us. Let's get started as we look in God's word. We're back in Isaiah, uh, Isaiah chapter 58. Um, I intended us to be in Isaiah all week long, as a matter, or all month long. As a matter of fact, this was going to be kind of a, a mini walk through the book of Isaiah. Last week, you know, God kind of changed my plans a little bit. But we're right back there tonight, uh, or this morning, in Isaiah chapter 58. And man, I'm going to tell you, God just really spoke to me through this passage this week. And, um, and I hope that uh, he will uh, speak to you as well. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to stand together to honor the reading of God's word. We're going to read verses 1 through 12, and then we're just going to take some time, go back and walk through it verse by verse. So if you would, stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word together. Isaiah chapter 58, starting verse 1. God speaking through the prophet Isaiah says this, Cry loudly and do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet and declare to my people their transgression and to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me day by day and delight to know my ways. As a nation that has done righteousness and has not forsaken the ordinance of their God, they ask me for just decisions. They delight in the nearness of God. And in verse 3, they ask, Why have we fasted and you do not see? Why have we humbled ourselves and you don't notice? And God answers the second half of verse 3, Behold, on the day of your fast you find your desire. And drive hard all your workers. Behold, you fast for contention and strife and to strike with a wicked fist. You do not fast like you do today to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast like this which I choose a day for a man to humble himself? Is it for bowing one's head like a reed and for spreading out sackcloth and ashes as a bed? Will you call this a fast, even an acceptable day of the Lord? Verse 6, is this not the fast which I choose? To loosen the bonds of the wicked, to undo the bands of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke. Is it, is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see them naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then your light will break out like the dawn and your recovery will speedily spring forth and your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear God. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and he will say, here I am. If you remove the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness. And if you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light will rise in darkness and your gloom will become like midday. And the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones. And you will be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail those from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up age-old foundations and you will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets in which to dwell. Let's pray. God, we just ask now that you bless the reading of your word and let it touch our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Man, I'm telling you, this is a powerful 
powerful passage of Scripture. And to be honest, as I'm reading through the book of Isaiah this month, man, once you hit like chapter 50, it gets serious and it gets good. Matter of fact, if you, you know, this afternoon don't know where to read, maybe just kind of if you have a study Bible, read the introduction to Isaiah in the study Bible so you have a little background and then jump straight into verse 50 and read to the end. Man, I'm telling you, it is good. And what we see here in Isaiah chapter 58 it is, man, just right where we are as a country today. You know, and I think it's cool because we are talking about fasting today. And that's what Isaiah is talking about, or God through Isaiah in chapter 58. If you look at verses 1 and 2, what you're seeing is God saying in verse 1 to Isaiah, you need to cry out loudly to these people. He said, raise your voice like a trumpet. You, if you were here Wednesday night, uh, you saw Mr. Dale Croft um, uh, get up with his shofar, right? And, you know, the shofar was the trumpet. It wasn't like, a, you know, a French horn kind of trumpet. It was, uh, back in the day, it was a shofar, a ram's horn. And he blew it, and as he said, you know, that was a sign of warning in the day. So what he's saying to Isaiah is, Isaiah, you need to cry out. And we've heard this all month long. You need to cry out against these people and warn them. He says, declare, now look at this, I think this is awesome. Declare to my people their transgression. Did you know that God's people can sin? Right? God's people can sin and we do sin. And I think that all throughout scripture we see the fact that we've been talking about this month that God's people are in need to come back to him. You know, just because you're his child doesn't mean that you can just coast through the rest of your life. There are times that we need to be brought back to the presence of God. He says, declare to my people their transgression and to the house of Jacob their sins. And then in verse 2, Isaiah, or like I say, God speaking through Isaiah, begins to talk on behalf of the people of Israel. See, the people of Israel thought that they were a holy people. Uh, look at what they're saying. This is kind of them speaking of themselves. They say, they seek me day by day and delight to know my ways. Do you see that? Does that sound like a bad thing? Right? I mean, to seek God day by day? Is that, is that bad? To delight to know his ways? Verse, verse 2, keep on, it says, as a nation that has done what? Wickedness? Righteousness. Right? And is not forsaken the ordinance of their God. Hey, can we find anything wrong so far? Say, what have they done? They've sought me day by day. They have done righteous. They have not forsaken the ordinances or the commandments of God. It says, they ask me for just decisions. They delight when I'm near to them. But look at the question they ask in verse 3. Okay, This is a question from the people of Israel. Why have we fasted, and what? And you do not see. Why have we humbled ourselves, and you do not notice? Do those seem like those verses go together? Wait, wait a minute. I thought that if I sought after God, that if I kept His command, that if I did the right things, that if I prayed the right way, then God would have to keep up His end of the bargain and do what I say do. <laughs> no. But isn't that exactly how so many of us think? Don't we think that if I come to church, that if I go to Sunday school, that if I say my prayers, that if I tithe, that if I do this, if I don't do this, that the doctor can never tell me I have cancer. 
The boss can never hand me a pink slip. My wife can never come to me and say, I don't love you anymore. Right? If we do this, 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 then God has got to keep up his end of the bargain and bless us. In this question, the people of Israel reveal their biggest problem. And it's our biggest problem. We do what we do for God. Whether we would admit it or not, deep down we do what we do for God only because of what we get out of it. I think there is no place in America that this is more true than right here in the heart of the Bible Belt. Right? I mean, you think of all the benefits that come with being a Christian. You know, you get to come in church, you're respected, you're known, you get friends, you get this, you get that. As a matter of fact, if you were to stand up in this church and say this morning that I'm a Muslim, everybody here would just give you the stink eye, right? Like, Muslim, that guy's crazy. You know, and, and I think, you know, we won't spend too much time on this, but I think what has happened is that today in the heart of the Bible Belt, there's just so much expectation in society that, hey, you're white, you're middle class, you're a decent person, you must be a Christian. But that's not what the Bible says. You know, and, and we do this and we say, okay, if I do this, then I'm going to have a good life. If I give this, then God's going to bless me. If I do, and, and we've reduced Christianity to a bunch of religious rituals that we have to check off our list so that we can keep an angry old man in the sky happy with us. But that is not what the Bible teaches. I mean, how many of us have been at the point in our lives where we said, God, I've kept up my end of the bargain. Why haven't you kept up yours? To which I would reply, when did you ever sign a contract with God? Right? When did God ever say that I'm going to do this for you because you did this for me? Matter of fact, God says the opposite. He says, you don't have anything that you can do for me. I don't want anything from you. You can't bring me anything I don't already have. Book of Isaiah goes on to say another chapter. says, why are you bringing cattle to, my, uh, cattle to offer as a sacrifice on my altar? Don't I already own the cattle on a thousand hills? Right? Why? What God is trying to show the people of Israel is this. It's not your actions. It's your attitudes. It's not the ritual. It's your heart. I mean, haven't we reduced Christianity down to this? Being a moral person. Right? I mean, would anybody in this church ever question you spiritually as long as you were moral? No. Matter of fact, we will make you a deacon, a Sunday school teacher, treasurer, whatever, as long as you're moral. We won't ever question whether you have a real heart relationship with God. Because all we look at is your actions. And God says that's not it. He says, but if you want to look at your actions, you're going to find out that you're, they're not quite as... They're not quite up to the standards you think they are. They ask this question, why have we fasted and you've not responded? Uh, you know, why have we um, humbled ourselves and you don't notice? Uh, continue reading verse 3, God gives three answers. 
Okay? In my Bible, I have up against the top part of verse 3, a little Q or a question mark. And then I have these answers numbered. Answer 1, 2, 3. Answer 1, second part of verse 3. He says, Behold, on the day of your fast, you find your desire. And drive hard all your workers. You see that? You find your desire. I might circle that if I were you. Because did you notice the question? They said, God, we fast and you haven't seen. And yet the second half of this verse, God says, you get exactly what you want when you fast. So what does that mean if when we fast, God doesn't see, but we still get what we want? Deep down, we don't want God. We just want attention. Right? When we fast, I mean, you've seen the people that I've seen. Oh, brother, I'm just doing a fast, man. I'm so hungry I could have a big old steak right now, but I love Jesus and I'm going to fast. That's not what Jesus said. This says when you fast, wash your face, put a smile on your face, go and be happy. Don't tell anybody. That's between you and God. Right? When I'm telling you to fast as a church, I'm talking about as a church family. I'm not saying you go sit down in the middle of nails and say, Hey, everybody, I'm fasting because I love Jesus. doesn't work like that. doesn't mean go eat dinner you know, with your family. You want something to eat? Oh, man, I wish I could. I wish I could, but I'm fasting today. No. When you do that, you get exactly what you're after. You get other people's approval. When we fast this afternoon, I'm not, I'm not fasting so you'll say, oh man, what a spiritual pastor we have that calls for a fast. I don't. Matter of fact, there's been days I've fasted I've not even told anybody, including Leanne, because it's nobody's business but mine and God's. Right? When you fast this afternoon, I'm not wanting you to come tell me, say, preacher, I fasted. Honestly, I could care less if you ever tell me. Matter of fact, I venture to say most of you might say you're going to fast, but you're going to go home and have peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Okay? Here's the deal. All we're doing when we fast is we're not seeking each other's approval. We're not saying, I'll fast if you fast. What we're saying is, God, I need you more than this lunch. God, I need you more than a hamburger. God, I need you more than a steak. God, I need you more than anything in the world. And if I have to push back from a plate to remind myself of that, then I will. Because isn't that what this is all about? Does our fast bring anything to God? No, it's for us. Because it reminds us that there are more important things in life than what we fill our stomachs with. Brings new meaning to Philippians when Paul says their God is their stomachs. Already some of you are on the wrong path to this fast because all you're thinking about is what you're missing out on. The whole point is not what you're missing, it's what you're getting. You're getting an opportunity to spend time with God. And you say, Chip, I can have that anytime. Exactly! Exactly! You can, but you don't. And it takes something like this to get your attention. Isaiah, God says, the reason I don't show up is because you get what you want. I mean, when we come to church, are we truly wanting to see God? Or are we wanting to let everybody else know that we were here? Right? I mean... It, uh, you know, I'm, I know I'm a dork, right? Some of you might have watched The Big Bang Theory. I would probably have been friends with those guys in college, okay? I'm a dork. I almost bought a Sheldon t-shirt this weekend, honest, honestly. Um, 
I'm a dork, I understand that. So, uh, you know, you watch a lot of these science fiction movies, you know, and they're saying in science, you know, you're going to have a robot that can look just like you and go do whatever you want to do, so you can just stay at home and chill out. How many of you, I know this is a very hypothetical illustration, how many of you, if you could have an exact duplicate come to church in your place, but you could stay home and watch TV, would send that duplicate because what you don't care about, you don't care about being there, you just care about everybody thinking or knowing you were there. Right? I mean, would you really come to church if nobody realized it? Most of us, the answer is no. And that's what God's saying. You get what you want. When you come to church and you want other people's attention, you get it. When you come to church and you want other people's approval, you get it. But what you miss out on at the end is God's approval. Second answer he gives. Why have we fasted you not see? Why have we humbled you don't know? Verse 4. Behold, you fast for contention and strife to strike with a wicked fist. What does that mean? What that means is this. A lot of times when we fast, we fast to get God on our side. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is this. I think this is a very reasonable example. Say you've just found out that your grandpa has cancer and the doctors say that they have this one shot at surgery and if they take the if they do the surgery then there's a chance they can get it all if they miss it this time then it's going to be terminal okay i don't think that's too far-fetched what you'll do is you'll say man this is important so i'm going to fast and pray so that god will answer my prayer now that seems very innocent doesn't it I mean, haven't we all been there before? I've done something similar to that before. But what you, realize, what you don't realize is that what you're actually doing is you're trying to manipulate God. You're saying, God, if I do this outwardly, then that means you have to answer my prayer. Right? Now, some of you are looking at me like a cowlick in a new gate. Like, I thought I was supposed to pray and fast. You are supposed to pray and fast, but it's not so that God will do what you want. It's so you'll do what God wants. There's a really big difference there. Remember we talked about Joshua here at the very last of the year? We said Joshua came to the command of the Lord's army and said, Whose side are you on? And he said, Neither. we got to quit trying to get God on our side by doing certain things, right? I mean... Uh, have, have you ever seen the show uh, on, on, I think it's like on A&E, Parking Wars? Anybody ever seen that? It's a lot of these new reality shows, which, by the way, I hate reality TV. Just going to throw that out there. If they wanted reality TV, it would be the most boring thing on earth, so we have to make up our own reality. But anyway, that's a whole other sermon. Um, what they do is they just go around and follow parking attendants in these big cities, okay? And uh, there's a, a, a little black lady who's a parking attendant. She's going up writing tickets for cars that are, you know, the time's run out on the timer. And she goes up, and she's putting the, a boot on this car, putting a ticket on it. And this little bitty white woman, or not little bitty, she was a bitty short, big around, um, runs out of the building. Says, oh, no, you can't do that to my car. You can't do that to my car. And starts going on and on. And this black lady says, ma'am, sorry, it's my job. And she says, that's all right. I'm going to pray, and God's going to get you. So what she told the parking attendant, little black lady. That little black lady was the parking attendant. Said, "Uh-uh, honey, God ain't a bulldog. You can't sick him on whoever you want." And I'm thinking to myself, man, that is a very profound theological statement, right? Because how many times have we been like the lady whose car was getting booted? 
We say, I say oh man, I, I'm going to pray that God will give that person exactly what they deserve. I'm going to pray this, I'm going to pray that, and you pray that God's going to be on your side, not theirs. I think it's amazing when there's a fight in the church, everybody claims that God's on their side. But the truth of the matter is, God's not a bulldog. And you can't sick him on who you want. Get him on your side. Are you on God's side? Right? Are you on God's side? And that's what God says. says, you make all these questions. You want to know where I'm at? He says, behold, you're just fasting for contention and, stri- and strife and to strike the wicked with a fist. Answer number three, verse five. God says, and this is a rhetorical question. He's saying, is it a fast like this which I choose? A fast for a man, a day for a man to humble himself? Is it for bowing one's head like a reed and for spreading out sackcloth and ashes on a bed? The answer, since this is a rhetorical question, is no. Now you might look at that and say, Chip, well, I, I thought that's exactly what a fast is. Not quite. What God's saying is this. You might put ash on yourself and and you might sprawl out and wear sackcloth and, and you might just say, oh, woe is me, I'm humbled before God. But the truth of the matter is, the nation of Israel's fast was all show and no substance. They knew how to put on a good show, but really there was nothing there. I think that's where we are, right? I mean, you know how to come in church and and put on a show. Smile, dress. Brother, I prayed for you this week. Yeah, right. (laughs) Right? You know, we, we know what to do to get by. But if we were really honest with ourselves, there's no substance to our relationship with God. Maybe put it this way, it's all show and no dough, right? It's all actions, but no attitude. We know how to put on a show, and that is not a good thing. If you keep reading, God says this, verse 5, Will you call this a fast, even an acceptable day of the Lord? Verse 6, God says, you want to know what a fast is? I'll show you what a fast is. Is this not the fast which I choose? To loosen the bonds of wickedness. To undo the bands of the yoke. And to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke. Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry? And to bring the homeless poor into the house? When you see the naked, to cover them and not hide yourself from your own flesh. God says, if you want to have a fast that honors me... How about you let what you believe on the inside show on the outside? See, the nation of Israel thought that their actions were way up here. But God says, you haven't even breached the surface. And I think that's exactly where we are. We think that because we come to church, because we don't cuss, because we don't drink, because we read our Bible, because we tithe, because we pray, that there is nothing anybody can say about us. But what the truth of the matter is, is you think you're here and you've not even begun to scratch the surface. How many of you have ever taken the shirt off your back and given it to somebody? Why would I do that? Because the Bible literally says you should. I thought that was an illustration. It didn't read like one to me. 
I want to, I, I, we don't have time to look at this. We're running out of time. I, I want you to look at, at one, one here in verse 7. Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry? Now let me tie my shoe because some of you already noticed I'm about to trip and kill myself. Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry? You want to know what I think a very literal, applicable reading of that is? How many of us in this church today live or spend way more money than we truly need to survive? I mean, how many of us live on a lot more than we could or even that we should? What the Bible here is clearly saying you have too much bread while people next door are starving. If you were really righteous, you'd take your abundance and give to them in their need. You would take that extra $10,000 that you spend every year, but you really don't need. You just do it to make yourself comfortable. If you were really, really righteous, you'd take and send that to people who live on less than $2 a day. Chip, that's crazy. That's the Bible. I don't have time to take you this morning and show you all throughout Scripture, but I'm telling you, you can read your Bible, and if you will read it with open eyes, you will see that the Bible says explicitly these things. It says if somebody asks you to walk one mile with him, what? Walk with him too. It says if a man asks for, you know, your, your, um, your shirt, what? Give him your tunic also. Okay, these are literally commands of God. They're not suggestions. They're not metaphors. They're not illustrations. They're there because if we were truly as righteous as we thought we were, this wouldn't be a problem. Did you know that the average American family lives on $46,000 a year? Okay? The average family around the world lives on less than 2000 a year. Can I tell you that if the church in America was the church that we say we are, you would have people selling their houses and moving into smaller ones so that they could give money away. You would have people taking their cars, buying older ones so that they could give money away. You would have people who would take their salary and say, this is what I need, everything above here, I'm giving away. Chip, isn't that a little radical? I mean, I've worked for everything that I have. I've earned it. Not if God hadn't given you legs and hands to work with. Not if God hadn't blessed you to be born into a good family. Not if God hadn't blessed you to be born into a good country. You think you've earned for what you have, and you have worked for it, but you've not done it apart from the grace of God in your life. Folks, we are missing the point. If our heart was right, it would show through our attitudes and our actions. We're going to have to hurry up. Verse 10a, I want to show you one more thing. Verse 10, the very first part. says, and if you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light will rise in darkness and the gloom will become like midday. 
And the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones. And you will be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Verse 10a. Very part of verse 10. Verse 10. He goes from saying give your bread to the hungry to what? Give yourself to the hungry. So many of us are good at writing a check and putting in the offering plate. We're good at giving time to teach children. We're good at so many things. We give so many things. But have you really given yourself? Chip, I've given myself to God. God doesn't ask you to give yourself to Him. He says give yourself to the hungry. And when you give yourself to the hungry, everybody around you will know that you've given yourself to Him. These are hard truths, but I'm telling you it is exactly where we are. This passage says what every other passage has said this month. God doesn't care about your rituals. He wants your heart. I mean, where are the churches today who live like this? Where are the churches today who say, you know what? We don't need a bigger sanctuary. There's a village in Africa that needs a well to get fresh water. Where are the churches today who say, hey, we don't need cushioned chairs. There's orphans next door who need food to survive on. Where are the churches today who live like they love God? We've got so many churches that are moral. But it's a sad, sad day in the church in America when we are known more about what we're against than what we're for. Put it this way, it's a sad day at the church in America when people know more about what we don't do than what we actually do do. Can I just tell you, Christian, if you say that I'm living a good life because I don't do this, you've missed the point. It's not about what you don't do, it's about what you do do. For years, the world, or the church has been telling the world, acknowledge your sin, repent, and trust the gospel. Today, that's what the world is telling the church. We need to acknowledge our sin. We need to repent. And we need to start living like the gospel's true. I mean, where are the Christians today who live like heaven is real? What do you mean by that? If you really believe heaven was real, you wouldn't spend so much time trying to gather up possessions here on earth. Where are the Christians today who, who, who believe that without the gospel, there's no hope for the next life? Where are the Christians today who were willing to give the shirt off their back to spread the kingdom of God? There's a homeless man that lives on the beach in California, just south of L.A. And he's homeless not because he's a drug addict or an alcoholic. He's homeless because he chews to be. He lives in his pickup truck because every day he gets his retirement check, which he worked to earn. He goes and buys food, drinks, throws it in a cooler in the back of his truck, drives up to homeless communities, takes out a grill, cooks them a meal, and shares with them Jesus. 
How many of you have ever looked at a homeless person and thought to yourself they choose to be that way? I don't. But there are some people who love Jesus so much that they are homeless by choice so that they can give it away. Truth of the matter is we all have some impure motives. I mean, I'd love to get up to here and tell you this morning that, you know, I've got this thing nailed down. I've got it figured out. I don't. I told you at the beginning that God's trying to change some things in me. The truth of the matter is it's easy to change our actions. And so many of you are just saying, Chip, just give me a checklist and I'll do it. But that's not the point. The point's not your actions. The point is your heart. And the only person in all of human history who can change your heart is the Lord Jesus Christ and his death upon the cross. And what this whole month has been about is you realizing that the cross is not something you come to to get saved. It's something that you have to live by, to live in, to be there daily. The problem is not what we do do or the problem is not what we don't do. The problem is this heart that's within us and we can't change it. I mean, how many of you have ever said, I can't help, I feel that way? You're exactly right. Only Jesus Christ can change your heart. And this morning when I say that we need to renew ourselves, what I'm saying is this, we need to admit and acknowledge that we need God to renew us. I mean, just the fact that when I started talking about what you need to give away, there were objections that kept popping into your head, that means you need to be renewed. Just the fact when I started saying that not doing things is enough, that you started saying, well, Chip, I don't, that shows you need to be renewed. It's my prayer that we will begin this day by acknowledging that we need God to renew us. I'm done talking. Would you bow your heads as the musicians come forward and we allow God's spirit to move? The invitation is simply this. If God spoke into your heart this morning, if you're willing to acknowledge that you need to be renewed, the altars are open. If God's spoken to you, you come respond to him. I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, God, I just pray that you would move on us in a mighty way this morning, that you would renew us where it matters most, not in our hands, but in our hearts. Father God, help change our attitudes so that our actions will change out of love, not fear. Father God, I pray you bless this invitation. Speak to us clearly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.